Hello and welcome to another episode of Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and today I'm speaking with John Morris who's in Scotland and he is a life coach for teenagers and families. So hello John, how are you? I'm doing very well, sir. How are you doing today? I'm good. So yeah, you're in Scotland, I'm in Australia. It's a bit of a time difference. You had to get up at eight and uh, it's five, five o'clock in the afternoon here. Fantastic. Absolutely. And uh, we'd actually been awake since 3am this morning. So I was plenty ready for this show to to, to get rocking and rolling with it. I'm looking forward to it. Good. All right. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Because you do quite a few different things. So give (laughs) us an outline of all the different things you cover. We we could be here a while. Uh, For for the audience, I got to say, one of the things that probably sums me up more than anything is I love to do different things. Um, You know how occasionally you meet one of those people that has lived this crazy adventurous life. I seem to be one of those people uh, for, for whatever reason. And for that, I think that that's part of the reason I understand my clients that I work with the most. So you know, for me, whether it be surviving terrifying living conditions to being a British bodybuilder to working in some of the craziest environments, uh, being an international renowned artist, author, my life has certainly been an adventure even to this point and uh, certainly with no signs of sh- slowing down as we were talking about off air. So yeah. that's a little bit, I suppose, about me. And what age group are you in? I am currently, I'll, I'll just say I'm 33. I turned 33 the beginning of April. Well, that's all right. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Look, when I first started uh, talking to people on Instagram, um, I didn't actually say if I was male or female because I didn't want a group of females to go, oh, it's a male I don't want to listen or, you know. Um, and yep. then recently I just started saying, look, I'm 50 and I don't have a problem with that anymore. Whereas I used yeah. to think, oh, God, people won't listen to me if I'm 50. But actually, you know, they do because they look at you and they go, obviously, you know quite a bit because you've been around. Yep. I find that it's a weird thing. I was in an interview situation yesterday. And when you're talking about working with teenagers now, you know, I almost get referred to as the as the guide or almost like Obi-Wan or, or Yoda or something. And uh, I, I think it's an, it's a compliment. I think I take it as a compliment. Um, but it's when you're being referred to now as as you're the sort of older person. And I'm like, I'm in my 30s, guys. Seriously, you know. I know, <laughs> like, but isn't I feel it like this weird? ancient fossil... <laughs> Yeah, but isn't it weird? I mean, look, like I see a lot of teenagers now. My nephew just turned 18 yesterday. And when I see him with his group of friends, I think, God, I was never like that. Yeah, I probably was. But it's just I can't remember that far back. See, I, I remember it fairly clearly, and, and I think that's probably why I can understand the mind of a teenager uh, better than most, uh, because I still remember what it was like, because I had a lot of really awesome experiences as a teenager. Um, but at the same point, it's like, gosh, I mean, that was, you know, nearly, what, 15 years ago or something yeah. like that. And, and when you start looking back and saying, you know, all those things, um, it, it's actually incredible then that you've come to this point in your life where you're actually still working with teenagers and, and you're doing all of these things. So it's, well, it's, it's wonderful. I remember my dad saying that when he was young, he would run up and down the street with a stick and a hula hoop hitting it. And now when I say to my nephew, yeah, we used to go out in the street and play with all our friends, you know, run up and down the street playing tag. You know, that even sounds so outdated now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the technological age, you know, I mean, and, and lockdown's been a prime example of that. It's uh, taken away from teenagers and families and from everybody, in fact, the ability to be able to go out and meet up with friends. But the majority of people now, uh, you know, just playing Xbox more or, you know, just in with their family more or or doing whatever it is. Um, But it's definitely changed. And one of the things we encourage folks to do, um, whether it be, you know, myself individually or as as part of our organisation, is, you know, to get out with nature because there are so many, even around you, it doesn't take long, no. you know, to really get out into somewhere incredible and nice and, and you know, all of that. Um, so I, I think we've definitely lost a connection with nature, which, it, you know, again, and, and the, the, the loss of a connection with nature and the correlation with the increase in mental health issues, I believe has a, has a major connection there. Yeah. And look, I mean, it doesn't even need to be really getting out into nature, does it? I mean, even if you're, you know, you live on a busy high street, just wandering down the street, having a look at yeah. the shops, chatting to people you walk past. It's it's what we all really need at the moment, because yeah. 
last year, devastating. I mean, England and Scotland, you might be just coming out. We came out of uh, lockdown last November. So here you only wear masks now on public transport. And I like to say that because it gives people hope that, you know, that's the way everybody's going to go. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was asked uh, numerous times, you know, do you know, how do you think this world, you know, w- will go and whatnot? And um, and I said, quite honestly, you know, I believe it will go back to its default setting. And I know I'm sure we'll talk about this later on, but I, I firmly do. And the reason that I believe that is because you hear select groups of people talking about, you know, well, you know, the world could be this and the world could be that and, and all this optimistic thing. But I'm hearing from global leaders on trying to get back to normal. And I thought, you know, and again, as soon as this came out, I just thought, you know, guys, it's it's going to go back to its default setting. That's what human beings do. Yeah. So there is going to come a time where, you know, you're going to be going back to work. But the interesting thing is, um, Victor Antonio, who is one of uh, my teachers from, from a business perspective, he was talking yesterday and he, he was basically saying about, you know, the amount of studies that have been done that shows the the difference that it's made in productivity in certain industries has actually gone up because yeah. people have been working from home. People yeah. like working from home. There are other people like, if, if you're an engineer, obviously you need to be working with other people. But yeah. I thought that's really interesting. So it'll be interesting to see from a business and economic point of view, how this is actually going to change things, you know, going forward in the future, because now you don't need to fly in for meetings. Like I don't need to fly into Australia to do the show with you. No. We can do it across Zoom. And save yourself, you know, like $2,000. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, last year for certain businesses, it really uh, showed their innovation and able mm-hmm. to adapt. And I think the new yeah. buzzword is pivot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the fact it was Charles Darwin that said that, that, you know, it, it's not the strongest of the species that survive. It's the ones that can adapt to change the most yep, definitely. that's going to go on and succeed. And uh, we looked at that because initially I was like, how does this, this is before, this is pre mind, body and soul, uh, which is one of our businesses. Um, this was, you know, around the time looking from an art perspective, you yep. know, we made most of our money through art clients and from commissions. And we're like, okay, how's this going to affect us? We did 10,000 pounds. So like, you know, 17, 18, I'm I'm trying to convert it into Australian dollars, maybe even up to 25,000 Australian dollars within, I believe it was like six weeks, which was record numbers for us at that point in such a short span of time. Yeah. Um, Because more people were online and they were wanting to do things. I'm like, this is the time we need to to capitalize. Yeah, definitely. So do you want to, um, let's start on why you decided to do coaching. I honestly believe it, it's something that I've done from a young age in, in one form or another. I've always loved to, to teach, to help, to, to serve, you know, whatever it might be, whatever phrase you want to use. But, but I suppose when I was thinking about this, the, the answer would be, you know how many people will see suffering on TV and say, yeah. you know, oh, well, I wish that, you know, someone would do something about it. Wouldn't it just be nice if there was someone there to help? Yeah. But the majority never do. They say, well, it'd be nice if someone did something, but I don't want to do it myself. Yeah. And I just got to a point in my life where I decided I I want to do that. You know, from, from 17 years old, you know, I, I'd, uh, I grew up with a very, very different perception of the world. And I've always felt very, very different on how I interpret the world. Now, whether that's dyspraxia, whether, you know, divine, whatever that is, yeah. you know, the, the ultimate result is I see things in a very, very different way. And with that, it enabled me to really understand and be able to read people, not just the nice bits, but it was also the um, the ability for to be able to say to a person, look, I'm comfortable with you telling me whatever it is that you're struggling with and to yeah. get down and, and, and gritty and the horrible, messy stuff that a lot of coaches just want to brush under the carpet, yeah. you know? And um, I, I firmly believe if you don't deal with the root cause, you can stick as many band-aids over it as you want eventually eventually it's going to resurface and it's going to resurface even worse. Um, so I just found, you know, I, I, I love to listen to people. I love for, for folks to share their stories and their journeys with me and uh, hopefully to provide a, an answer or a solution or, or just simply a safe space to, um, you know, to, to be able to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's good because, you know, like I'm a counsellor and my perspective is, you know, we don't we don't really offer any advice, whereas coaches can offer advice. Yeah. 
And the way you just explained that is really important because I find that a lot of motivational coaches are just, you need to do it now. You need to get on to it. You need to be doing this yesterday. But you've come at it as a way of growth and working with what problems have happened and how you can solve those problems and then move on to the next step. Yeah. I mean, well, the whole thing is, you know, that, you know, people feel so overwhelmed when you get a lot of motivational coaches and I could sit here right now and I could give you the whole motivational spiel. Uh, You know, my friend and I, we call it the party line, you know, so whenever someone comes to, and if it's a spiritual thing, they've got almost like set answers that they will give you, but they're not actually listening to the problem. So for example, if if you're in a, a church situation and you say, you know, I'm really struggling with this, I'm really feeling miserable, you need to pray about it. You need to pray about it. And that's the often answer, but it's not helping me in that situation. And I firmly believe that often divine and and God, whatever you want to call it, source, the Tao, whatever, um, you know, often works through people. And there isn't a law that says just because you're a a person of faith that you need to be, you know, someone that just recites all this stuff. Let me find a scripture for you. Whereas how about if I just sit there and say, okay, you're feeling rubbish. Let's unpack that a little bit. Let's see what the root cause is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, motivational speakers, let, let, let's pick on them a little bit. You know, why not? Um, you know, because they will say, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to take action, which you do. But the thing is, if I give you the end result and, you know, you're sort of at step one, then you're a little bit like, uh, okay, now I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Like if I said to you, Daniel, you're going to build five websites. And I know because I've recently done this, you're going to build five websites in six weeks. You're probably going to sit there thinking this guy's off his head. Yeah. You know, that gives me one and a bit, you know, weeks to do one website. Yeah. Um, But when you actually break it down, say, okay, today we're going to do a landing page. Tomorrow we're going to do a little bit of content. Once you break it down step by step for people to see, it makes the whole process so much simpler and uh, you've got to work with people where they're at. And obviously in your profession, you'll know that as well. You've got to meet them where they're at as opposed to where Definitely. you want them to be. Yeah. And look, as I said to you before we started working with people with an intellectual disability, you know, we, we've got guys on all different levels. And yep. the good thing is uh, because we teach through social interaction. So a group of people, uh, it's not like I've had clients where I've done a counseling session and because of their intellectual disability, I break it down into 10 minute segments over the hour. And then we might do a game of noughts and crosses, something like that in between. But when we do it as a social group, guys really pick it up easily because they're not feeling like they're being told something. We're just discussing things and it's really made it easy. And we've seen huge differences. And now there are a couple of other places around near us that are starting to pick up on what we're doing because they can see that these guys are developing good communication skills. Their self-esteem's going through the roof. And I just don't think anybody's ever stopped and said, look, they've got an intellectual disability, but that doesn't mean they can't do anything. They can learn so much. Yeah just the ability that actually is there. Like there is literally no limits that we have found with the human mind. Yeah. And when you start to explore that and you start to develop that into a person, it's incredible. Like the energy and the passion and literally the life change that I see with some of our teenagers when their parents have got in touch with me and said, you know, well, John, all the best with him because he's no passion, he's no motivation, he's no, you know, uh, outward expression of anything. And I'm like, well, if you keep telling him that, he won't have. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, I said, give me 25 minutes with them. Yeah. And within 25 minutes, usually we've got them a very clear plan. We've got them energized, we've got them motivated, and we've got yeah. them about to take action. It's yeah. literally that simple. Yeah. When you do it, you figure out the goal and then you figure out the steps to get there. It's, it's, it's incredible. It really is. And like you just said, limitless. I mean, I like to think that whatever problem comes in, there's a way to solve it. Whereas yeah. I think you find a lot of people that have learnt to a, a certain level then go, well, that's what I'm capable of. Oh, yeah. what do I do after that? Oh, I don't know. I need to seek advice. Whereas, I mean, yeah. I might need to seek advice, but I'll be like, right, how can I really help this person? How can I get them to do what they need to do to become a better person? And as long as we keep thinking outside the box yeah. and not restraining ourselves, we're always going to find answers for these people who come to us. 
See, that's one of the, the incredible things. And that's part of the reason, I suppose, that I started to work with really focusing on teenagers. A lot of life coaches will focus on adults. Yeah. Now, for me, and, and I'm sure you, you'll possibly agree with this, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Adults, by the time that you start to work with them in maybe their 30s or 40s, they've got a heck of a lot of hangups. Uh, they've got a lot of stuff that's going on yeah. and a lot of limitations. Yeah, Teenagers are still... You know, again, I use an artistic, you know, terminology, you know, they're like balls of clay. You can still mold them. You can shape them. They've still they're got valuable. enough. Well, that's it. They've enough elasticity about them that they want to develop the best life. Whereas an adult will accept usually what is presented. We accept the world that we are presented with. Mm. And um, when you start teaching a teenager that, hey, this is possible. And you may get parents that come back and say, well, how on earth do you know? It's like, well, because I've done it for 20 odd years. Yeah. You know, I've, I've built a business out of this. I've got tremendous success. Not just one business, but five. Yeah. And, you know, when they start to see, oh, right, okay, I'm also an author, you know, and, and all these different, so you've got the credentials behind you, which is yeah. really important. And that's oftentimes why I will sit to the side and let, you know, the credentials I've got behind me, um, you know, in bodybuilding and in, in speaking and, and all these different things you know show for themselves because it shows your competency yeah and when you can show to a teenager that you're competent because everybody want to know how you know why are you essentially qualified to teach and what you're qualified on it's like because i've lived the damn thing you know yeah. and when you've lived it it's like this is amazing and then you know when you break down the barriers for teenagers like again and i know what we'll get to this so i don't want to give it away but you know one of the biggest issues that teenagers fear is failure and yeah. when you teach a teenager in literally a sentence, there is no failure. We just produce results. And what yep. you do with the results, you know, that's going to determine whether you success or fail. You know, yep. that's what really, you know, makes the difference. All of a sudden they click that and they may need to hear it two or three times, but then they start saying it themselves and they're like, I can literally accomplish anything. I can do this because I know that if I go for a job and I screw up in an interview, I haven't screwed up. I've just produced a result on how not to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Edison was the one that I think coined that phrase. Um, and it's, it's incredible. Again, and it's that shift in that mindset, which is just so exciting. And do you find with um, adults as well, they're more reluctant to change and yep. they're also, uh, they come in with their preconceived ideas of what, yep they should be or what you should tell them they need to do. And if yeah. you tell them something different, they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to try that. That doesn't yeah. sound like me. Whereas, so then they talk themselves out of trying it. Yeah. Whereas a teenager is going to come in with a lot more openness to try something. You know, people are sometimes, they, they feel better knowing that they've got an anxiety or knowing that they've got a depression or know that they've got a, you know, whatever it might be, a condition that at least they're aware of. But if you said, well, let's try and do something about that. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, at least with this, I know the effects. Yeah. You know, going and taking that step is scary for a lot of people. And I think also sometimes with people with anxiety, especially those who have had it for quite a while, they look at it as it's almost their excuse for not doing yeah. something if they don't want to. So they yeah. might say, yeah. I didn't come to your party because I was really anxious that night. Yeah. And someone will go, oh, you poor thing. Oh, yeah. how were you? So they get sympathy from it. And it's a way of getting feedback that makes them feel a bit better. Oh, they said, I, I, you know, they felt sorry for me. That's good. I, I like that. Absolutely. And it's what we call um, victim mindset. Yeah. And it's that whole thing. And I'm sure, you know, people around the world will know about this one. And if you don't set yourselves up, folks, because uh, th this is something I think everybody needs to know about when you're saying to yourself, you know, oh, well, that makes me feel good. You're essentially being rewarded for, I suppose, as a parent, you would say, you know, bad behavior. Yeah. You, you, you're looking for that affirmation from somebody to say, oh, it's okay for you to feel like that. It's completely normal for you to feel like this. Yeah. Um, I've been there. I had severe anxiety. The amount of um, family get-togethers that I just said, nope, my anxiety is too bad, not going. Basically, yeah. I didn't want to. It's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. But the reality is that in doing that, you allow anxiety to really crush you to the point you don't want to go out. You're terrified to go out because yep. you have allowed your brain to get into such a way. But when you understand what anxiety is, then all of a sudden you can actually not only deal with it as I have, but get to a point where anxiety isn't even a thing in my life anymore. And it's incredible. But again, yeah. it's, 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 it's a person's openness to not only change, 
but a person's openness to say, well, let's give this a go, but they have to be open in their own self to say, I want to change. And the issue for a lot of people is they don't want to change. Yeah, definitely. And look, with anxiety, I mean, I have a bit of a problem with um, the labeling of social anxiety because social anxiety is what everybody on the planet has. And you might have very, very mild that you never even notice. And it could just be that you don't like walking into a restaurant before you know your friends there. You're a bit anxious. like, Oh, I don't want to sit down before they're there. And and some psychologist counselors will go, Oh, you have anxiety. Oh, we need to work on it. That then gets stuck in their head that I've got anxiety and I can't manage. Whereas it needs to be explained that everybody has a social anxiety and it's not a major thing and you can still work through the social anxiety. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and I'm sure we're going to do this in a moment, but, you know, when you understand, because again, I completely understood, uh, understand that I've taught and built an art school where you walk in and there's, you know, 35 teenagers or children looking at you like, okay, we're expecting you to teach. And then, you know, the parents, you know, can be funny with you. So again, it's a lot of uncertainties. Yeah. Um, and when that's what you focus on, as opposed to, hey, let's just teach the thing you know, let's just let it be what it's going to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. then, you know, it makes a major mood shift, a major emotional shift. Yeah. And when you, like I said, when you can teach people what it is, because a lot of people will say, I've got anxiety. Yeah. And I will say to them, do you know what anxiety is? And they say, no. <laughs> it's like, right, okay. But I know it causes my brain to do this because, yeah, because yeah, the doctors yeah, have yeah. told me and the doctors have put me on pills. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how would you like to do a session, you know, where we actually explained what anxiety was and, uh, you know, where you can actually learn to deal with it. And then if you need to be on some form of calms, yeah. then that's, that's one thing. Um, we are dealing, I firmly believe, with anxiety more in this generation, in the time that we are in, than ever before. Yeah. Um, and again, statistics and studies will show that, that, you know, I, it's, um, I think 58% of teenagers from 14 to 18 at least have experienced some severe um, form of anxiety, you know, by the time or before their legal age. Um, How much know, of that of do you think uh, is to do with social media? A lot, yeah. a lot. Um, I, I find actually, and I really limit my my usage on social media now. Um, the, 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 there's a number of different issues that go on with with social media anxiety. The first one, I believe, is the amount of screen time that we've got. Yeah. And that does something to our brain because essentially we are staring at a light for, you know, in, in some kids' cases, anywhere between eight and 16 hours a day, yeah. you know, to the point that they can't switch off. You're absorbing all this news and a lot of it is negative. But again, social media is a, a, a humongous thing. And I think it's only going to get bigger. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, social media is. I mean, you, you see all the different platforms that are out there now, and uh, but it's also such a dangerous place. It really yeah. is. And children, no, well, not even children, adults, everybody, uh, in my opinion, are being exposed to things that they shouldn't be at any age. And, and, and if you're um, someone who is in not a great mindset and you mm-hmm. start looking at stuff on social media... Yeah there's more chance of you to have a negative opinion of yourself because oh, yeah. you'll be like, why don't I look like that? Why don't I talk like that? Why don't I yep. think like that? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, look, it, it is good. I mean, I've met you on there. I've met several yeah, other absolutely. people. absolutely. There's a and, lot and of positives. I, I find with Instagram, I find there's quite a few younger women who do positive quotes like me, mm-hmm. but they'll be standing in a bikini. Yeah. And I just think, are you doing the positive quote or are you doing this, to get recognized yeah. as yourself yeah. because yeah. There, there's a difference and they're the ones that I usually just don't follow or go through yeah. because to me, it's all about the psychology counseling, all those things that I like mm. to read about. Um, but obviously in their mind, they're thinking, well, if I show myself like this yeah. and if I say a positive quote, I'm likely to get both lots of people. But here's, here's the, the insane thing, looking from a psychological point of view, is what does that say then about a teenage girl or, or, or young woman's mindset? You yeah. know, the fact, and again, you know, I've, I've had this um, with, with conversation with so many people, you know, so-and-so's my friend, for example. Let, let's make up a, you know, a, a person, Sarah's my friend, for example. Why... You know, after I've been friends with her since school years, do I need to see, you know, uh, her basically in a bikini? You know, 
And it's like, it changes the dynamic of the relationship. It changes the dynamic because it's, and people say, well, that's just weird, you know, but again, flip it around for the female audience. They see a guy with his shirt off and abs showing they may say, wow, he's hot. He's amazing. So they start having lustful thoughts about him, you know, and it's all about what you're sowing into your mind. The amount of people now, that I literally just go on and I'm like, unfollow, 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 uh, whether it be from the world of wrestling, which we've done a lot of podcasts with, uh, you know, or, or from the world of fitness, yep. which I've been heavily involved with for, you know, nearly 25 years. It's, it's, it's asking that question, you know, why do I need to see that? And again, the psychology that's there, you know, the amount of inappropriate photos that go out now that obviously are causing major issues um, for the, the people that are taking them. And yeah. again, you say, and, and they believe they have this mindset that makes them feel, well, it's, it, it makes me feel beautiful. It makes me develop a relationship. I'm like, if you need to do that to develop, I mean, in the 1800s, did you ever have, you know, Queen Victoria taking a nude picture to, of herself? Yeah, you I was know? just about to say that because back then, 17, 1800s, if yeah. you were overweight, it was a sign that you were wealthy because you could afford yeah. to eat. Yeah. Whereas now it's like you need to be a stick figure yeah. to be acceptable. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's that whole mindset of, you know, teenagers now and even children that are sending nude pictures to one another. You're like, guys, you know, where has this come from that we feel that we need to do this? And again, it's from that psychological point of view that I think people need to be a lot more aware and need to wake up a, a lot of, of different things. And it's an easy trap to get involved with. You know, again, we're not sitting here, either one of us, you know, to say, oh, you know, well, we're the fountain of all knowledge and everything. <laughs> but it's because we've had the experience and we're able to see, you know, guys, look, once you put out, once you put that out there, it's out there. And what, what, what do you really want to be known for? Do you yeah. want to be known as, as a young girl that goes out there with a breast hanging out in the middle of Glasgow? Or do you want to be someone that's actually respected and, you know, actually attracts someone into their life that's an incredible human being? Are you because willing just to you settle? Are, or? Not just by doing that, yeah. And the same yeah. goes for men as well, you know, men yeah, who well, that's what I was gonna say. hanging yeah. out. You know, yeah, you look fantastic. But your friend who is a little overweight next to you, he's a fantastic yeah. person too. Absolutely. He doesn't look like Absolutely. you, but that shouldn't make the, any difference. Absolutely. And, and the, the whole thing is, you know, and I've said this to folks before when they said, oh, you know, when I grew up, I want to just be like you. And I just said, look, you focus on being like you. And the reason that I say that is because when I was a teenager, I always wanted to be like someone else because I was yeah. never comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. So now I'm just like, guys, just focus on being you. You know, don't worry about being me or someone else. You can use elements of our personality, you know, that you find inspiring, that you can build. You said, that's what I inspired or or aspire to be. But when you're starting to say, I'm willing to change my personality to be somebody else, then you lose who you are and who you were made incredibly specially to be. And it's amazing how as you age, um, those sort of things don't concern you as much as they did when you were younger I mean I remember being in my 20s having all the latest clothes that came out and spending all my money on records and clothes and and now you know I well I mean now we can just download off iTunes which is a lot um but you know I don't generally buy as much music and and now I'm in that mindset of the music's not as good as when I was younger. Yeah. Just as, as before we move on, I think I have to bring this up that I still remember going into the video stores and the yeah. joy that you had oh. on looking at a video cassette or a DVD yeah. or a CD. Yeah. And that's something that's lost now. You know, yeah. we, we, I mean, the fact that you can go on or just click it and download it. You know, there was an artistry that was done with designs and with covers and everything there. It's yeah. like Me. it was more of an experience rather than yeah. I'll just click and then that's it and then move on. Yeah. Well, look, being in Australia, like I always went to import record stores mm-hmm. and you'd spend an hour, two hours in there going Ooh. through collectibles and what the new releases yep. were. And sometimes you'd buy an album you didn't even know who they were about, but you'd yep. go, they look all right. Oh, it's got this person in it. And you take it home and play it. Now you yep. go in the shop and you Google exactly what, who it is, what they've done, yep. why it's good. You know, I, I still remember going into Woolworths over here and looking at the wrestling videos. They would have hundreds and hundreds. I could spend hours just looking at them and, and the colors yeah. and everything. It was incredible. And uh, now, you know, I mean, you know, so, some of the folks that listen to this will probably be like, man, what a sad git he really is. You know? <laughs> so, but it was amazing experience. And I'm sure, you know, people have got that same experience now. It's just in a very, very different way. 
So did you want to cover any more about why you work with teens and families? I think you've covered quite a bit of it. I think we covered a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think that the simple answer, you know, is why that I chose working with teenagers and families is because I can't work with everybody. And as many people as I try to work with, you know, they have to be my focus because... I think, as we said earlier on, when you work with a teenager, you know, they're still pliable, they're still open to things. And when you work with the families as well, it means that you're adding that extra bit to the work that you're doing with teenagers, because a lot of it comes from the parents and the messages that they're getting from home as well. So, yeah, look, I must admit, when I was doing my um, degree in counselling, I did um, a subject of family therapy. And at the end of that semester, I had to do a mock uh, uh, counselling session with four people. And it was supposed to be a 15-minute consultation. And after an hour and 20 minutes, (laughs) my examiner said, okay, I think we've got the idea. I think we'll stop there because you have come up with some good ideas, but I think it's going a little bit too far. And I went, look, I don't want to do family therapy anyway. Yeah. It's too many people to hold in your hands at once. Yeah. Yeah. I I refer to them as bowling balls. You know, one or two bowling balls you can work with fine, but when it starts being five and six bowling balls and then a step bowling ball and another step bowling ball and you're like, oh, this is messy. Um, That's why we call it family coaching. Definitely not family therapy um, because, you know, it's just... I think if, if you can work with them and everybody's on board, then you, you, you've got definitely a happy dynamic and you can say, look, what you guys are talking about and how you can work together better as a family, that's really what we work with. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, th- you know, family uh, therapy, family counselling, that's a whole massive thing. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a huge undertaking and a massive responsibility. And look, I think, as you said, um, you know, working with teenagers, that's a really good thing because... Yeah. Teenagers need sometimes someone out of the family to sit down with them and talk about what they want to do because sometimes families can also have their preconceived ideas of what they want their child to do, what they want them to be, sort of person they want to marry, you know, all those sort of things. So if you're there to give them some different ideas, even if they don't take them all from you, then they still go away going, actually, I don't have to be this way. I can be this way. Correct. And that was one of the biggest things with my, it was actually my first client and his mum was saying that he should go into work. His dad was um, quite oppressive and, uh, and basically said, you know, you should go into further education. And then they turned to me and said, well, John, what do you think? You know, like you're the fountain of all knowledge and expected yeah. me to be pulled in, in both directions. I'm actually working on a, on a brand new book. Now my second book called Balance is Key. And I tend to operate my life in the balance Thing. So you may have two extremes. I tend to try and find my, my middle ground. Yeah. And I, I looked at the father, I looked at the mother, and I simply then looked at the son and I said, what do you want to do? <laughs> and the look on their face was, ah. And I was like, well, you know, at the end of the day, it's his life. You exactly. Know, and you've taken the control out of their hands and put it back in hands. And I said to him, I said, look, whatever you choose to do, I will teach you how, you know, you can do it to the best of your ability. And, and we did. And, uh, you know, he sat down and he said, well, I, I want to go into work uh, and I want to go into an organization. I said, well, okay. I said, now, is this your decision or is it your mum's decision? And she said, well, I think it's my decision. So I was like, okay. Yeah. So I said to him, I was like, right, let's develop a plan then. And I said, do you want a job or do you want a career? And again, it's walking it through with people. And this is the process of, so as folks can listen to this, um, do you want a job or do you want a career? And he kind of looked at me like, well, what's the difference? I said, a career is something you choose. A job is something you basically accept, you know, because it's left over. Yeah. Because again, it's, it's all about how you think about things. I said, well, I want a career. And I said, okay. I said, what about if I could teach you how to literally not only get interviewed, but probably put yourself in, in 90% um, of any interview where you're going to get hired. And his yep. face just beamed. He said, oh, that'd be amazing, John. How would you do that? I said, simple. And it's not difficult. You know, you, you say, for example, and, and I said, right, list three places that you want to go with. And we, we listed NASA, we listed Apple, we listed Tesla. And I said, right, let's pick Apple because I know most about Apple. Even though I don't own an Apple product, I know, you know, enough about yep. the uh, electronic world that I could, you know, I can do it. And uh, I said, okay, what, what, and we're walking through the interview process and we do this whole amazing thing. And um, 
most people, when they're going through an interview process, they, they will talk about how amazing they are and, you know, and, and maybe a little bit of, of what they can do. And yeah. I said, I don't want you to do any of that. I said, I want you to, when, when you go in and they say, Mr. Sutherland, you know, whatever his name was, um, you know, why should we give you this job? You say Mr. Boss or Mr. X, whatever his name is, you know, I believe I would be a perfect fit within your team because since seeing this job advertised on Job Center, website, wherever it is or in the paper, yeah. I've done some research on your business and I can see that you, you know, are spending this much on whatever it might be. You've got this amount of expenditure, you've got this yeah. amount of income and you've got this amount of, you know, whatever other stuff. Um, so what I could do is increase your income decrease your outgoings and improve your customer service. And yep. this is how I would do it. Yep. And we walked it through with a plan. And I said to him, look, if you walk this through over and over and over and over again, and make sure that you can do this, yep. you know, that's what business is looking for. They don't care, you know, whether or not you was a bodybuilder or whether he was an author or what they yep. want to know, can you be a cog that's going to take my business from where it is to where we want to go? Yeah. Um, and that's the important thing. So when he got that, it was like, oh, wow, that's incredible. And he's just been reciting this over. And I said, now, don't forget, you must have a plan <laughs> because otherwise your boss is going to say, well, how are you going to do this? You're like, um, I don't really know. <laughs> so, <laughs> the importance of planning, folks. Yeah. So tell us about being an author. What, what's the name of your book? My book is called The Battles We All Face, and it, it's, I guess you would call it like a, a daily devotional book. It's, it's to give hope in these uncertain times. Yeah. It looks over 40 days, um, and it's a really easy read. We're actually just about to put it up on Amazon. Um, it's a combination of um, self-help and life teachings that are in there. And it's, the, again, 40 of the most popular ones that people struggle with. So, for example, whether or not it's making a clear decision on how to do that, whether it's dealing with anxiety, whether it's, you know, whether or not it's, uh, you know, about life going on, how to deal with trauma, true friendships. Um, can you see through another's eyes? And we're talking about perspective that's there, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite teachings, all about the Rubik's Cube and how you can actually see through another person's eyes when you change your view uh, and your perspective. Yeah. Um, it, like I say, it's designed for, for teenagers and upwards to really give hope and clarity. That's what we're looking at doing uh, more than anything. And the way that I've designed it is to be simple bite-sized bits that people will read it and then they will go away and really think about it, you know, yeah. and that's the aim is to get people thinking. Um, plus there's also on, on each page, there's actually some of my artwork that's in there um, to kind of give an association. So as you remember, and whenever you see the artwork, you're like, that was a lesson that was there. Yeah. And that's um, a good idea because people yeah. are triggered by what they see, aren't they? Absolutely. So how many Absolutely. pages is it? So that is, I believe, 110 pages that someone can do over 40 days. Um, and there's all sorts of bits and pieces in there. But it, it's life wisdom, you know, I suppose, over the last 30, 33 years um, that, you know, I've picked up from all the different teachers and from my own stuff as well. Um, it was an incredible process to go through it, for sure. And uh, it's been very, very helpful for the teenagers that we're working with and the most popular um, issues that are coming up when we're coaching, you know, we yeah. refer them to the book and they're like, oh, wow. But I actually recorded it. So, so there are four options that are available with the book. There's the uh, downloadable ebook, so you can get it straight on your phone or your tablet, whatever you want to read it on. Yeah. Um, there is the paperback and the signed paperback. And then there's also the audiobook as well that contains some exclusive little things in there. So if, you, if you're sitting there and thinking, I prefer listening to books and you want to listen to me, literally walk you through these lessons and, and talk talk to you about these things yep. then that's a perfect version to, to go for and uh, well, I, literally saying that, I mean if i was buying it I'd, I'd go well i might as well buy the signed copy yeah like, you know how often do you get a signed copy and also next week you could be banging it like millions of places and i'll be going that's oh, I've got a signed copy yeah and the, the thing is, you can only get the signed copy from buying them from us directly. So that makes it really, really special. Um, but yeah, because I, I put it up and I thought, oh, yeah, well, we'll see how many people you know, get it. Because there was one or two inquiries when, when it was the pre-order. Um, but I literally sat down for about two days straight. And uh, it was literally, you know, thanks, thanks so much. Hope you enjoy it. Signed, smiley face, on to the next one, on to the next one. And, and not just your signature like a, either, a little message. That's it. Yeah. Um, you know, someone said, oh, could you write me a personalized? Uh, it was, uh, I 
can't remember the exact, but they wanted to write a, basically a personalized paragraph. And I was like, I haven't included that in the membership option, but I can write you a simple thing. <laughs> and that's good because then people can buy it if they're going that's through it. a hard time and it doesn't even need to be at the moment. They might buy it and just yeah. put it on their bookshelf and then one day yeah. go, oh, actually, I wonder if this is in there and find it and then go, yeah. okay, this is actually helping me. Because sometimes it. it's just a little nudge that gets yeah. people and- to rethink what they're doing. Well, that's it. And, and again, the, the index is laid out in such a way that it's, again, you know, almost like a biblical layout that you can look at one chapter and say, right, I don't need to read the entire book. It's the same with the audio book. Um, you can literally just click and say, right, today I'm feeling anxious. Yeah. What's the lesson on anxiety? Yeah. You know, makes it simple. That's good. So what's your biggest accomplishment in your life so far? You've covered so many topics. What's the biggest one? I, I honestly think, you know, because um, when I was thinking about the answer to this, I think, you know, surviving death is is uh, is, a, is a big one. Um, you know, lo- overcoming long-term health issues and the battles that I've gone through. But I think ultimately for me, you know, you, you can talk about the physical things like being a bodybuilder and the world of art and writing and, and coaching. But I think honestly, finding peace um, and, you know, the life-changing uh, events that have taken place in, in 2021 for me, um, literally to be in a place where there's no anger because of stuff that had happened in the past and just to be here and, and to be enjoying it all is just is really incredible. Yeah. And that's that has opened up so many different new areas in my life um, because you find sometimes when you leave organizations uh, professionally that it comes with a lot of baggage and you have these conversations with yourself about what I'm going to do if I see this person. And, you know, when you start to change your mindset, you really do start to change essentially who and how you operate. Definitely. And look, I think last year did challenge everybody. And like when we were talking beforehand and uh, about illness and stuff like that, that was the biggest change in my life because I had never had time to stop and study and I'd wanted to do it for years. And when I was ill, after I got off over those first three to six months of being really ill, then I started doing my diploma in counseling online. And it was great because I started to learn all this stuff. And even though I felt ill, I had something else that was taking up my energy, taking up my time. Yeah. And that's what sort of got me through all the illness is because I always kept putting new things in place, new goals to reach and to go, wow, actually I have achieved this. And I've spoken to lots of people with fibromyalgia about lots Mm -hmm. of different ways that they can cope. And going back to what we were saying earlier about the victim mentality, a lot of people are stuck in, but my doctor said, I'm always going to be like this. And you say, my doctor told me the same. And yeah. I decided that wasn't for me. Oh, no, but look, you can't be as sick as me. You're obviously better than me. You know, I've got this, I've got that. And yeah. you go, okay, that's okay. You do what you need to do that helps you. I do what I do. And some yeah. of those people I see now and they're still in the same position they were five, mm-hmm. ten years ago. Because Absolutely. They've been told that they're never going to get out of a wheelchair, never going to get out of bed, and so they accept it. And maybe look, well, that's, that's, maybe that's good for some people yeah. to be accepting. And, and- it's the whole thing of, you know, we, we accept what we essentially accept what we allow to accept. You know, it's it's one of the things that, you know, I really discovered. And again, it's, it's the whole thing of a person's perspective and their outlook. And I said right at the beginning, you know, whenever else in history at any other period in time, have you had six months, eight months, a year's paid leave where you can basically do what the heck you want? And yep. I said, use this time wisely. And I said this on every social media platform over and over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, there were some that did. And statistically, believe it or not, it's 10% that will and 90% that won't of, of the world population. Yeah, we're not yeah. just talking about, you know, UK. Um, and, you know, there were a few people that really thrived last year. And again, even some people watching this or, or listening to this are like, oh, well, how can he say someone would thrive? I said, well, simple because we did and because we chose to use our time wisely. It, yeah. it's, it's how you use your time and operate. Um, you know, that there is no reason why you couldn't pick up a book and, and read and educate yourself. So as when you get back to work, you can be the most valuable commodity to your business physically Definitely. possible. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine, for example, if someone had spent a year studying sales, 
Yeah. You know, and, and they're, they're in a position where they're in sales. Now, you know, Jim Rowan, uh, one of my teachers, he used to say this all the time. You know, people will, will leave work and say, well, you know, I've, I've left work. I've got to get a bite to eat and I've got to watch TV and, you know, get to bed and have no time for study or anything like that. And this is a person that's struggling to meet deadlines, struggling to meet, you know, house payments, car payments, yeah. everything else. And it's like, how have you not got time to study? You know, and I, think, I mean, I, I think, adopt that, you know. I think well, that's it. in the UK, um, from what I've noticed, and only on our small amount that we've we've seen from the UK in Australia, mm-hmm. but there seemed to be a hell of a lot of people that were just so worried about when the pubs were opening again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the crazy thing is, you know, the amount of times that people, and that was also in Florida, I know that for a fact, but here's the crazy thing that, you know, you look and that says a lot about the mentality that's there. And it's like, guys, do you realize, you know, the only thing that's really stopping you is you. And they say, yeah, but I'm happy with my pub life and, and going out and having a drink and a beer and see my friends and whatnot. The pubs opened uh, in, in England, like halfway through lockdown when, when it wasn't as bad everybody was you know going out having a drink and trying to help the economy and things well what happened people forgot about social distancing yeah. and covid spread like wildfire <laughs> and it's like yeah. guys seriously so how do you stay positive all the time oh, oh no all no, the time all is time, yeah no all the time. the time is a different question <laughs> uh I don't know if anybody stays positive all the time. Uh, I, honestly, and I know this, this is going to sound like a, a very cliche kind of answer, but honestly, I choose to. Yeah. And, you know, people oftentimes, I've discovered that people are blissfully unaware of how they feel. So I, I'm going to speak for my own self, um, obviously, uh, because it's the only person I can speak for. So. <laughs> When I left, I was in youth ministry uh, in a church setting for many years. And uh, when I left in 2015, I left for a number of reasons. And one of them was because I was sick and tired of the politics and the baggage. And, you know, it was like, you know, I've, I've got, you know, a vision of, of how this youth group is going to grow and how it's going to develop and what. And then the church had a view of how it was going to grow and develop. And the two just did not meet. And as time went on, the further and further it went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we talked about before, there was some health issues and some other bits and pieces. Um, and, and I take responsibility. I, I do not blame. I you know, take responsibility for, for my, you know, for all of my involvement and, and everything. But I left with a great deal of anger and really didn't know how to deal with it. And, you know, again, I was um, very much in the, the, the Christian faith and, uh, you know, very much as a believer. So you would pray a lot. You would, you know, really try to, to get this under wraps. And then there was a lot of time that, you know, time would pass and you think, oh, yeah, I'm finally turning a corner. And then something would happen and it puts you right back there. Yeah. So it, it got me to a stage actually where I was drinking heavily because I just wasn't coping. Uh, anxiety was through the roof. So I would drink to deal with that. And uh, I mean, I would be drinking, you know, probably about half a bottle of gin, you know, easily. And, uh, you know, it, it just got to a point for me where I was like, this is you know, maybe you don't realize it, but it's, it's, it's out of control. Uh, yeah. And but you don't realize that, do you, until you're through yeah. it? Yeah. And, um, well, well, I, I didn't, I, I'll tell you a funny story in a minute. Um, but it, the, the, the come to Jesus moment or the, the reality moment, shall we say, um, but, you know, all of this stuff was going on and how my wife coped with it, I have no idea because, you know, there was issues with in-laws, there was issues with the church, there was issues with, there was issues everywhere. And, you know, it, it was like, you know, I was experiencing all these things and you, you could call it the victim mentality. I just didn't understand why people were behaving to me the way that they were. Yeah. And looking at it now, I'm like, okay, they may have behaved that way. That might be who they are. That's fine. I am responsible for how I respond to it and how I deal with that. And just because they may behave in, in, a, in a nasty way or an aggressive way or a sanctimonious way or whatever, you know, it doesn't mean that I have to respond in kind. No. So uh, things, you know, a, a lot of stuff started to happen. And each year I started to get, you know, a little bit better, a little bit better. 
Um, but 2018, things really got bad. Like I said, I mean, I was drinking. I was drinking just to cope. I was drinking at lunch. I was drinking at dinner. I was drinking here, there, and everywhere. Um, and I had a tremendous amount of fun, I'll be honest, um, dealing with these things. I was in no pain when I was having a few drinks. Yeah. And uh, it, it came to a head one day. Uh, <laughs> so to, to set the scene, I'd been working on a... a um, and a, a series called Art Through the Ages, uh, which it, it was a combination of art history and almost like a docudrama. The idea was basically to be an artist that had been sent back in time and you would paint and, you know, basically talk about the areas that you're in. You'd paint the scenes. So the final scene for this um, tutorial that I was doing was of a scene that I was doing of Jack the Ripper. And uh, now it's not something that I would subscribe to these days because, again, I'm very careful on what I put into my mind. Um, but obviously it was a, it was a you know, world-renowned story. And uh, I'm painting this scene. And my wife and I, we, we've been talking about something. I can't remember what it was, but I remember, you know, it, it set me off, whatever it was. I was, yeah. like I said, I was in a really bad way. And I started drinking. And uh, most people will take a measure of gin. Well, if, if you guys can see, obviously you'll see on my YouTube channel, I'd be filling that pretty much, you know, near, near to the top with gin. Yeah. And, and there was five gin. of those. So again. Just straight gin? Oh uh, yeah, pretty much. But And I, and I hadn't drank for a long time um, prior to this year, but <laughs> so I started drinking this and then one went down and I thought, oh, I'm feeling quite mellow and kind of warm here. And, and I'm painting away and I'm bear in mind, I'm filming this tutorial, you know, yeah. that's going to go out there. Um, and, uh, and I, I look back in the tutorial now and it's like, Oh boy. So one goes down and I'm still painting away and I'm talking and, and everything. And then the second one goes down and I'm, you know, by the fourth one, um, I could no longer really see. And I'm still painting. I'm still doing the tutorial and everything that's there. Cameras are still rolling. And I'm, I, I don't know this at the point because I'm now going to the point where I'm blind drunk and I'm painting over stuff that has taken me weeks and weeks of detail to put in. Yeah. And uh, bear in mind, I can't see this. I'm thinking, oh, I'm painting mist and I'm doing all these nice things. And then I have one more. And um, I, I remember uh, Katie had made dinner and um, I, I couldn't eat. I wasn't hungry. I couldn't eat. Um, and I slumped down in the kitchen. And this is the point my body started to shut down. It's the first time I've ever had this to this degree. My body shut down completely to the point I was paralytic. I could not move. I physically couldn't stand up. Yeah. And she went in. I think she was thoroughly disgusted with me. And I sort of on my, you know, like a cat crawling or a dog crawling kind of thing, crawled through from the kitchen into the living room. And, uh, you know, it, it was, I couldn't stand up for the life in me. And I basically put my face in the ground, my butt up in the air. And I just stayed there for, for ages. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, enough's enough. You, you're playing around here. This is what my brain is saying to me. You're playing yeah. around here. And I'm like, John, you need to get up. John, you need to get up. And I'm like, brain I, i'm having this conversation with my brain i'm like i can't i physically cannot get up so i rolled to my back and i sort of leant against the the sofa and um you know basically thought i was going to be sick and everything and, and went through the bathroom and managed to stand up walk straight into the door frame anyway i basically flopped on the bed and uh, I, I passed out i was i was completely drunk Woke up the next morning and, um, you know, I, I have a lot of these divine um, encounters, I guess you'd say. And, uh, you know, this isn't to, to, you know, for anyone to sub 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 subscribe to anything that's there, but it is literally the experience that I had. You know, I woke up and, you know, it, it was almost like I was having this conversation with Jesus. Oh. And, you know, he just walked me through some things and it was incredible. It was literally like this dam had broken down and it was the first big turning point. And, you know, literally it, it was a case of him saying, look, yes, they may have treated you badly, but that doesn't mean that you need to respond in this way. It doesn't mean you need to own, yeah. you know, their stuff that's gone on. Um, and that was the first big turning point. And, and that was real wisdom. You know, Katie came in, we're talking about it. Um, I had to teach, that was a Sunday. I had to teach on the Monday with a severe hangover, three classes. And uh, that, that was difficult. I got through it. But fast forward to uh, 2021 came along and it was the end of January. I'm sitting here literally where I am now. And uh, I, I was either building, I'm probably building websites, in fact, and my YouTube channel was on. 
And I encountered a teacher, it came up as a random thing, but I encountered a teacher called Wayne Dyer. And he was a doctor, he was a doctor of philosophy, and he'd studied psychology, and he studied a lot of things. And his daily wisdom uh, started playing. Yeah. And I must have had my headphones in. I, I, like I said, I can't remember, I cannot remember, even to this point, what had actually happened. But I know, I listened to it twice, we, and the, the daily wisdom is two hours, everything was gone like that literally no anxiety no anger no frustration we are now nearly five months on and there's not been one anxiety attack one severe burst of anger one anything that's there and you know this has snowballed into an incredible way which has opened up so many doors with a business partner with mind body and soul with teenage life coaching with you and i meeting with all these other people and uh, it's incredible to be at such peace. And that's why literally, you know, when, when you ask me, you know, the biggest accomplishment you've got, I have to honestly say for me personally, that is it. You know, yeah. my wife is like, he's, he's like a completely different person, you know, that there is nothing there. So we're kind of getting to know each other again. Yeah, because yeah. it's just like, you know, I, I've like, been married to some. And, and not like in a religious way, but it is yeah. like being reborn because yeah. you, you've, got rid of all that stuff that was holding you down yeah. and even though at the time it feels great yeah. now that you're through that you look back and you go well that wasn't so great yeah and, you know? and now being able to help teenagers make better decisions when you share with them your story yeah as, and that's the best teaching that i've ever Definitely. been able to give is my own encounters yeah you know kids sit there and listen and they're like wow you know and i said look you either think that i'm completely and utterly insane which may be you know justified yeah or you think that i'm telling the truth completely and yeah. you know that that will open up for you and that's so. the only way you can ever teach someone wholeheartedly yeah. is when you've been in that position yeah and and when you've been to, i mean look i've been working in disability for 30 years so I pretty much know most things that go on inside and out. And then putting the counselling into that as well was like, I have to do communication with these guys yeah. because that's where they're falling apart because they don't have the confidence to say what they feel and to mean what they feel because they've always been told, oh, no, you can't do that or, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. And you need to be See, able to verbalise that. Well, the, the incredible thing about this as well, Daniel, and even from your background and my background, it, it's what attracts people to want to work with us. Because if you've got someone that says, well, I can teach you about anxiety, when they've never been through anxiety, no. you know, again, anxiety is fear of the past or fear of the future. It's never usually, anyway, fear of the present. And yep. when you start working that through, people are like, oh, you know, and it's, it's literally, once you learn how to do that very simply, it's literally then taking steps to figuring it out. Yeah. Um, and look, I usually say to people, uh, if they say, oh, can you recommend a counsellor or a psychologist? I say, don't go to anyone under 30. And they go, why is yeah. that? And I go, because they haven't lived. You know, they've probably gone to school. They've learned every theory and they probably know inside out better than what I do. Yeah. But yeah. I come to you with what I've experienced in my life plus a the theory. They come yeah. with the theory they've learned and they haven't really learned how to adapt that or change it. It's just, this is yeah. what I have to do. Whereas when you've so, lived it, you can see that theory and go, well, actually it works with this person in this way. See, I, I mean, I found that in myself because I'd wanted to, to, you know, life coach essentially since I was 17 years old. And I felt, you know, like you said, you know, I had a lot of experience even by the time I was a teenager. I'd, I'd gone through, you know, all sorts of craziness. But what adult is going to listen to a 17-year-old guy giving them advice? Yeah. You know, when you're in your 30s. Um, and again, it's all about timing. So you may decide, you know, I want to be a life coach. Okay, then spend the next 10 years developing your skills, learning what you're doing. And, and then when you are ready, you know, you can go out and be a phenomenal life coach. And that's now what I'm ready, you know. And you know what, you're in the perfect position because when you're working with teenagers, you're still just in that age yeah. group where you're funky and they go, oh, yeah, I'll listen to this guy. Whereas <laughs> if I was to talk to teenagers, they'll go, look at that old man. What can he teach me? <laughs> See, I, I always found it funny with teenagers because it's the only time that I've ever been called cool. You know, John's a professional artist. He was a bodybuilder. He's really cool. And I'm like, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's incredible. And, and it is. And I think, you know, with the, the personality and the energy that's there, you know, hopefully, I mean, teenagers, even one of my granddad, you know, will still look and say, you know, John's really cool, you know, um, you know, he may need glasses now to, to get around and see everything. But, you know, he's really cool. And he's been there. He's worked with drug addicts because he's experienced that. He's worked with alcoholics because he's been there. You yeah. Know? 
he's worked with all these different people because he's got this life experience and he's still here and he's doing That's all this the main work. Thing. Your life experience yeah. is what you can then share with other people. And also because you're open. Some people, yeah. go, oh, I can't talk. Like I said to you yeah. in the beginning, yeah. I didn't used to discuss my age or whether I was male or female because I didn't want to, you know, um, ostracize that that demographic yep. who would go oh i don't want to listen to them or whatever yep. but now i just think look i talk about my fiber on my age my age Absolutely. and that i'm a male and you because like what you get or you don't for me i find you know because even with the youtube show we've, we've essentially got three shows and the one that i probably focus on the most these days is called going deeper it's where we take a, an area of struggle or a topic or where it might be and we really focus in on that and then obviously build from that and it's it's you know again nothing different to a million other shows that are out there but the different thing is how i dress how i perform how i perform how i present myself the yeah. backgrounds that we use i am as animated as i possibly could like i'm actually really restricted here because i'm sitting in a chair yeah. and i'm in the office you know i tend not to be moving around a lot even though i'm still full of energy right now yeah, yeah, yeah. when we're doing the show upstairs in the studio we're like you know, okay, envision, you know, where you're at, because there's green screens around all over the place when we're filming. Okay. And uh, it's, it's, you know, envision who you're talking to, you know, be really, you know, speak into the lens. You'd be amazed how many people just refuse to speak into the lens. And yeah. I'm just like, guys, seriously, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't mind because it means more viewers for our show. But, you know, it, it's yeah. just making sure that we've got as much going as we can that would attract a teenager to want to sit there for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and listen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's the best part about it. Yeah, it's good. It's great. Look, I think we need to wrap it up there. I just looked at the clock and I think we've been an hour and 20 or an hour and 25 minutes. <laughs> I've lost track of time as well. <laughs> it was really good speaking to you, John Morris and from you. Scotland. Um, I can't believe we talked for so long. I mean, maybe people are trying to get onto Zoom and they can't get on because we're on it. <laughs> All right, well, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, I'll talk to you again soon and we'll come up with something else we can discuss in the future. Absolutely. It sounds fantastic and I look forward to it. All right, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other and thanks for listening.